Hello and welcome to Horrible Friends, we're a podcast and book club format about horror movies. This week in our month of cage, we have The Wicker Man from 2006. Starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And man, do we just love the bee out of this movie uh i want to go ahead and toss this over to mr dan you got any history for this thing because i didn't tell anybody about what we do <laughs> what's loving uh, the bee out of something That's <laughs> what I know. what's the history of loving the bee uh it, it's a 1950s phrase uh, it has to deal with i don't fucking know i'm making this up <laughs> i was I, <laughs> I was excited i thought you had something okay i'm gonna be quiet now i'm sorry it's like your beehole. Oh, oh, okay. They were really raunchy in the 1950s. <laughs> really, really. They'd go up to a lady, show me your beehole, and I'll give you a nickel. <laughs> the 50s were a better time. A shiny new nickel for my beehole. Well, sir, that's a deal I've never heard before. <laughs> and then, of course, everything had to have that, that, that tinniness to it so it's just got to be like hey show me your b-hole for a nickel waka, waka, that's woo. like a million dollars back in the <laughs> 1950s i think we like, found our uh i think we found our cold open for this episode it took like 11 know. seconds for this to get fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> this might be a new record for us honestly yeah i remember back uh my grandfather he would tell me stories like, back when i was your age a nickel could buy a whole b-hole <laughs> Now getting a beehole is exhausting. You have to swipe right. You have to buy the. You have to buy the McDonald's afterward. It's just exhausting. Yeah, who who yeah. carries nickels anymore? What's what's the, what's the name of that app? Uh, beehole. Uh, no, there, there's the the Bumble? app. The um, the Bumble. Yeah, this, hey. this episode sponsored by Bumble. Holy shit! We came full circle. Holy shit! All right, sponsored by Bumble. All right, so. Um, what the? Where were we? What, what are we talking about? Wait, Tom, did you even say what we do on this podcast? Uh, I'll I'll do it now so we can splice it in. I kind of accidentally bumped uh, into this, and that's how we ended up in this weird place. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> so what we do in this podcast is we're going to talk about the plot. We're going to talk about the history right before that, and we're going to talk about the special effects, uh, cinematography, music and the sound and then we're gonna give our little spin on a spoopy meter so dan why don't you give us that history sure sure so this week we are doing wicker man and uh because it's the month of cage we're doing not the original 1973 wicker man but we are doing the 2006 wicker man uh the director and the screenplay was done by neil Laboot. neil is uh best known for writing and directing in the company of men uh, he also directed Lakeview Terrace, and he directed Death at a Funeral. The budget for this movie is approximately $40 million, and in the box office, it made mm, a little bit less than that, made $38.8 million. The tagline for this movie, actually, it has three taglines, uh, so I will read them all to you. I don't Sacrifices must <laughs> <laughs> Sacrifices must be made. Face 
face your fears and be careful what you search for. Not that third one's a joke. I don't believe that that one's a tagline. The runtime of this movie is about 102 minutes. And the filming location of this is there's a bunch of places in British Columbia where it was filmed, uh, Vancouver being one of them. And they also did some filming in L.A. So 2006 movies that we could have watched that weren't this one include Slither, See No Evil, and Snakes on a Plane. Uh, The Nude Clock, which we do every week and uh, points out the absurdity generally of nudity in horror movies specifically. Our Nude Clock this week marks in at nothing. There is no nudity in this movie. Hence why I was so disinterested. (laughs) I was just waiting for pushback because I always get some. You guys would have been like, there was a naked bee at one point. So (laughs) (laughs) I saw a thorax, if you know what I'm talking about. There was a bee hole. It's all this bee hole. Yeah, yeah it was a bee hole. Bee hole, bee hole. My kingdom for a bee hole. Alas, none. None to be found. Just bees. Lots of bees. Literally so many fucking bees. That was a very moving speech. <laughs> if you are interested in watching this movie, you can watch this over at Google Play or Amazon Prime Video. Unfortunately, you will have to rent you will have to rent this movie or purchase it, um, which you will definitely want to do because you'll want to watch this movie over and over nonstop. No, you don't. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're going to elaborate what Chris means by, oh, God, no, and pass it over to him who has the plot this week. So our movie opens with our hero, Edward Malice, which, by the way, I had to really actually look it up because he doesn't really say his name for at least a solid 30 minutes in the movie. Um, So he's a California police officer and he's just, you know, out doing his police officer thing, you know, uh, pulling people over, slipping tags on abandoned cars, you know, just a very exciting life. Do you think that biker jacket is regulation? No, that's his. He brought it on set. That's exactly what those were my initial thoughts. I was like, they gave him a cop uniform, and Nick Cage just went, no, I got it. And he just showed up with that fucking leather jacket, and they're like, what do we, what do we tell him? And, and they were like, just don't, just let it ride. It's Nick Cage. No, He's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, just let him go. One of my one of my favorite interactions is when he's a police officer in the beginning, and he walks up to the car, and he's like, do you know why I stopped you? And the guy says, yes, and Nicolas Cage just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i was like boy he's, he's such a great cop i i mean uh here's a little background a little, little history for for some of you listeners out there uh when chris and i were heading out to our very cold spring break in the adirondacks <laughs> uh i did the exact same thing this this officer pulled us over because we were totally speeding because we were trying to speed to our campsite before the the sun went down and um she was like, so I saw you start to slow down once you crested that hill over there. So uh, you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, yeah. She was like, okay. And she just walked away. <laughs> and she came back and she was like, she was like, so uh, here, here's a ticket for disobeying a traffic control device, aka you were speeding. So it's not a speeding ticket, but you're good. And I was like, yeah, here's $230. Thank you. Did you make it to the campsite in time? No. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, back to this rousing movie. Um, 
as Nick Cage is riding his motorcycle with his obviously regulation leather jacket, a uh, station wagon goes flying down the road and we see a doll fly out the window and he does a fantastic ride by and scoops it up. He pulls him over. Uh, the mother driving the car immediately starts apologizing for her daughter, who is the one that threw the doll out the window. She says they've been driving a long time and, you know, she's antsy or whatever. So he hands the doll back and this child who I was just like, you're a little asshole. Like just throws the doll right out the window again, right past him. He's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. And as he walks away to go pick up the doll out of nowhere, a Mack truck just destroys this car. So after the car gets rammed by the Mack truck, he runs back to it and decides to you know catch on fire. And he's trying to break out the back window with his helmet to save the girl. But the car explodes, knocks him backwards, and knocks him right into the title card. There's nothing fires hate more than an immediate force of oxygen. <laughs> that's, that's true. Hey, it's getting a little hot in there. Let, let me open up this window for you. <laughs> it, it's science. <laughs> yeah. This is this just sets the entire movie for the, the weird and awkward acting that is just this whole thing. I think there's only like maybe two characters that redeem it, but beyond that, that, that everything, everybody in this movie sucks. You know what was more disturbing than a child being burned alive in a car fire? The fact that the entitled title card, the entire title card, um, they they decided on papyrus for for everything, <laughs> for all the writing, for all like for all the actors' names, everything. I was like, Papyrus? Why why? Papyrus, come on, people. Come Jesus on. Christ, this is a professional setting. <laughs> Someone gets it. <clears throat> so we now cut to Ed sitting on his couch in his home. It's been some kind of uh, uh, unsaid amount of time since that incident. Uh, he appears not to be, uh, you know, handling it very well. He has like some kind of hardcore PTSD from it. And a uh, fellow police officer, a uh, policewoman from his precinct, uh, drops by to check on him, like drops him off some mail that was there. And that's more or less it. They kind of sit there and... It's just the worst kind of conversation dialogue ever. Or it's just like you holding up, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we cut to another scene. <laughs> this is the most awkward conversation I've ever seen. I mean, I've I've had worse conversations than that. I believe you, Mike. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, like the whole thing's a very throwaway scene. It basically just acknowledges that he's out of work and that he's looking for something to do and he is traumatized by the crash and that's all this cop lady's there for as i said that awkward conversation just kind of ends he's going through his mail and he receives a letter from his ex-fiance who to make a long story short explains that uh her daughter, Rowan, has been missing for two weeks, and she asks him to come to her home, known as Summer's Isle, and help find her. So he takes a fair, which I feel like this was only done just to shoehorn this like quick scene, because it's just really not explained. So he, he takes a ferry to somewhere where it's not really described. You expect that it's Summer's Isle, but I'll get to it in a moment that it's not, as he's on the ferry, he looks up and he just he visually sees like the girl from the crash. And as she's standing there, all of a sudden, a Mack truck hits her. 
and then he comes to and it was just a you know weird hallucination and then he pops his anti you know vision pills and it goes away do you need a prescription for anti-vision pills i don't know <laughs> or is, that, is that like an over-the-counter type i feel i should i feel like this should be over the counter so he then uh lands on he arrives at some kind of harbor somewhere where it's not summer's isle it's just some other islander location and he finds a uh, seaplane uh, pilot and he says, hey, can you take me over to Summer's Isle? Since he clearly like, you know, visit there regularly. And he's like, no, it's a private island, the private people. And I respect that. So then Ed just goes, well, I've got uh, Ulysses here and his brother Grant. And the pilot just goes, oh, hundred bucks. Well, fuck that respect. Let's go. I mean, yeah, this guy, his morals are very cheap to buy. A hundred dollars gets you just whatever you want. I've lost a lot of respect over a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have lost respect for you because of that hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, I I did appreciate the, uh, the the back and forth between him and the and the guy. Uh, the and he was just like he's like I can swim there faster, and he's like, well, Start go ahead. Swimming. I would have I would have rather watched that him feverishly swimming to the <laughs> if island. the rest of the the next hour and twenty minutes of this movie was just him swimming to get there. I would have enjoyed it a lot better. Transitions into a Nick Cage version of Castaway. Yeah, oh, I'm into God, it. Yeah. Let's do it. Wow. Well, sad. <laughs> I really would have liked to see like naked gun scene from here where he's like, can you take me there? No, I can't. Well, what about Mr. Grant? Well, I don't know. How about Ulysses? Oh, okay, fine. Where do you want to go? Well, I'm not telling you that. Well, what about Mr. Grant? Would that tell you? No. How about his brother Ulysses? <laughs> All right, fine. I want to go to Summer's Isle. <laughs> what, what we've come to a conclusion here, I think, is that we want to watch a different. <laughs> yep, I, I'd say that's about accurate. So he gets to the island and encounter, encounters a few of the women from the island who clearly are just not happy he's there. Like this whole movie, nobody's happy to see him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, he is a stranger, but and no one's usually happy to just meet a stranger. But like any kind of pleasantries, nothing. I would argue that that sentiment extends to the audience as well. Like no one's excited to see Nick Cage <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Can we just, you know, you know what I find funny in a lot of Nicolas Cage movies? The script is so built around trying to make him sound charming and it just doesn't work. The reason that we like Nick Cage in movies is when he's at his absolute fucking craziest. That's the best Nick Cage there is. When he's trying to be like charming and and have a light, nice polite back and forth with like a fucking seafaring hopper plane pilot or or like women from a convent. Like it's it's not it's not interesting. It's not funny. It's not charming at all. Yeah, I, I think I think the genuine issue is that they tried to like at this stage, they were still trying to cast Nicolas Cage in these serious roles um, because, you know, he was he won an Oscar for like Raising Arizona. So like they're still trying to like build off of that idea because um, I think this is only like 10 years after he won his Oscar. So um, it wasn't until like what we get to like Mandy and like times like that where we get to actually see him be crazy. I mean, even Con Air, you could argue like he was crazy in that, but like he's getting more of these crazy guy roles now. He was in a lot of like crazy guy movies. Like you said, the Con Air was, I wouldn't say crazy, but it was kind of like 
off the walls a bit. You got Face Off. You got, uh, what was the other one? Vampire's Kiss. So he, mm-hmm. he has a long history of doing, being Nick Cage in movies. I mean, this whole movie, it seemed like every time Nick Cage's character talked to somebody, he was all the way up here, like at 11, <laughs> shouting at him. And everyone was like, okay, just c- calm down a bit. And they just have a normal conversation with him. Like, well, where's this girl? <laughs> yeah it it nobody i don't think i don't think anybody expected that on set so like the reactions are true like they it's so good they were just like just just go off the cuff what's he gonna say don't worry about it, don't worry about it. <laughs> so he asked these women uh has a picture of rowan and he asked them have you seen this girl which they all immediately respond no, even though several of them are purposely looking in an opposite direction and not looking at the picture. And I love that he just responds like, you know, it's easier to say whether you've seen some or not if you actually look at the photo. Who let the Sanderson sisters buy an island and create an <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about that. And now it fits perfectly. So he asked about Willow, and they're like, oh, yeah, she's over at the mating house, which is essentially like a tavern slash inn. So he gets there, and that's where we meet uh, Sister Beach, who is, she's like the proprietor of it. Starts asking her questions, and she's also really shitty to him. But then he just turns and just kind of yells to everyone like, uh, hey, I'm a cop. He bangs a spoon as a gavel. Yeah. (laughs) I'm here in official police business. I got so cringed out. Like, I stopped paying attention to the movie. And not, not that this movie was really enticing to begin with, but at this point, I was just like, I can't even watch this. This is like a bad, this is like a bad Office episode. This, is, this might be Michael Scott. Just oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I love that within, like, the next few seconds that the bar maiden, as he's dubbed her, like, completely schools him on jurisdictional law with just a few, like, a few lines. Yeah. And yeah. so he just starts yelling louder. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very telling of his character. <laughs> no, I'm right in what I'm saying, and you can tell because I'm saying it louder. I, everybody knows the louder you talk and the more angry you talk, that the more convincing you come across and the more people do what you want them to do. And see, Mike, that's why you don't convince me I mean, too often. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not just talking about it. <laughs> oh, now there's now there's a guy who has direction. I, I, I like that guy. You know what, Chris? Just keep going with your summary. You heard him, Chris. That's exa- keep going. That's, ex- that's exactly what I wanted. I'm glad he delivered. So Ed finds Willow here, where she gets gives him absolutely no information and just says, uh, "You know, we'll speak in private later." Which then they go to speak in private later. And once again, she really gives him no information. And we hear like a bell ringing in the distance. She's like, oh, I got to go. We'll talk later. And I'm just like, oh, is this going to be the entire movie where she's just going to constantly not tell him shit? And then just like, oh, we'll talk later and disappear. Correct. Yes. Yes. This is the whole movie. Yes. And so Ed's back in his room in the uh, (laughs) tavern and he overhears Sister Beach and several of the other women uh, talking about how they're getting ready for tomorrow and the festival of uh, death and rebirth and that they wait for the wicker man's return. Why would you have this 
like mysterious secret meeting when you know there's somebody upstairs that's like already suspicious of you. And why wouldn't he stick around and listen to the whole thing? Like he's like, oh, that, this all seems like important information. I better step out. <laughs> up, up through the bar. I guess I'll go to bed. Again, these questionable directions, like, and I can only assume that this is in the screenplay and the directing. Like, why, why do these things happen? I mean, the telekinetic blind twin ladies were pretty cool. Like, I think that <laughs> yeah. was neat. But again, they don't they don't focus on anything interesting in this movie. Nothing. Nope. Oh god. So um. So he's it's the next morning. He's in the tavern, and I guess he's like having his morning tea, which I don't know why this bothered me so much. So this island, like their biggest thing is honey all the bees that they have and all the honey it makes. If you have a tavern on this island that your biggest like export honey, why would you have an damn near empty honey bottle on the table? Damn. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, well, two things about that. I think it was kind of explained as much as this movie explains itself, but they would be like basically, well, for you, you don't get our honey. Because you suck and we don't like you. Right. <laughs> also, like they were coming off a very poor harvest, so that that's is true. Correct like mentioned, yeah. Why there was no honey for Nick Cage? I'm sorry, I like that better as a title. Wicker Man should just get thrown away, and it's just called No Honey for Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a very different Nicholas Cage movie. <laughs> I think Winnie the Pooh makes an entrance in that movie. Oh, bother. None for you, Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, actually. Isn't that, uh, isn't that the kid's name, actually? No, it's Christopher Robin. Robin. Christopher, His sorry. His name is Nicholas oh, wait, Cage. Christopher yes. Robin. Sorry, not plural. <laughs> no. Wait, Christopher <laughs> Robbins is like an actor, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Now I now I want a live-action Winnie the Pooh movie with Nicholas Cage playing... So basically, take the Christopher Robin movie that came out with Ewan McGregor, and even though how great Ewan McGregor is, swap that with Nicolas Cage and see what movie we get. Wild. And don't give him a script. Don't give him a script. (laughs) Just see what happens. Don't even tell him what the movie's about. Those cannibals stole my honey, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) We have to go fuck their parents and kill them. Somebody get me my leather jacket. Eeyore. Here we go again. <laughs> you know, I thought I thought uh, it was interesting when you originally suggested Winnie the Pooh would make an appearance, and I immediately thought, like, you know, there there will probably be a guy dressed up as a bear covered in honey, not wearing pants in that movie. I could see uh-huh. it. And a child above. A child <laughs> Oh man, I want to talk about this fake movie more than this. I thing. love the fake movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. We all do. Yeah. But so that that scene where he's like, "Hey, what what's the deal? I thought you guys make honey." I I was really hoping the one the one waitress would have been like, "Oh, we did make honey until you killed our bee, our last <laughs> bee." <laughs> The reason it oh, took so God. long is because it was one goddamn bee doing all the work. There's only so much honey one bee could make. And you killed him. <laughs> you killed him. <laughs> Ulysses, no. 
that scene going backwards to that scene her her like disbelief is, is real though she's like why would you do that and he's like ah, i don't fucking care i'm allergic she's like okay <laughs> that's exactly what, that's, that's what he should have said uh, i don't fucking care i'm allergic <laughs> oh wait no the bee's name the bee's name susan b anthony Stop. oh god Stop. i'm Stop. going back to this summary the male bees bee's name jerry seinfeld oh, <laughs> oh god so anyway now there's a good nicholas cage movie <laughs> not another b movie <laughs> so anyway so sister beat shows up give him some sweetener for his tea he sees all these pictures on the wall which are apparently from their past harvests. the recent one is broken he's like hey why is that broken she's like i don't know so and then he makes his way to the local schoolhouse where oh, i wish i wrote it down but i i was just so leave you kids no bitch, kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, i have that but what the teacher asked the kids i think was it like what is the the symbolism of man yeah or something like that and they all just phallic. go phallic symbol phallic symbol <laughs> yeah i was like whoo right on the nose here all right right on the phallic i i read an interview with um the director where like the guy was like Oh well, people said that your first movie, the uh, what the fuck was the name of it, in the company of men, was uh, misogynistic, and some of your plays are misogynistic. Well, no one can say that about this, and I'm like, mm, well, mm. <laughs> like, they're so very overly the top. Like, huh, men are bad. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, girls. <laughs> uh, you said that you think this movie was trying to placate to like female empowerment. Yeah, like ham-fistedly. Yes. Yeah. Ham-fisted. That's the. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. the description you want to go with on a I'd... on a woman-based island. Like, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Let me try again. Uh, honey ham-fistedly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the honey matriarch the matriarchy has a new fucking logo it's a honey ham fist <laughs> i mean i would definitely get behind that matriarchy if it included honey hams <laughs> like i was i was of the mind that the pictures on the wall like those kids were definitely getting killed and fed to like whatever this island's version of their corn demon is so it's like a giant bee demon is what i thought <laughs> absolutely yeah. and my thing about it too is if you're trying to like hide the fact that you're sacrificing kids every year why leave like a broken f- frame on the wall with glass why the have them there at all it's like the only it's the only restaurant in town it's like you're proudly displaying <laughs> that yeah we murdered these kids what are these pictures on the wall i don't know <laughs> I mean, like an Applebee's, they have all kinds of shit on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an Applebee's. So it's some sports memorabilia. They have, you know, their weird sacrifice festival pictures on the wall. I get it. It's uh, Summer's Isle style Applebee's. They got to put stuff on the wall. If I walk yeah. into an Applebee's and it has pictures like that of kids, I'm going to Chili's. I'm saying it now. <laughs> and I would always pick Chili's over Applebee's to be. That's the correct. Oh God, I'm I'm not letting Mike go into this long rant about Chili's and Applebee's. So what's your favorite dish? No. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Apple bees. Oh. oh. 
Buzz off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. So now we're three quarters away through the movie. Nothing's happened. Uh, yeah. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just real quick. Like he's at the schoolhouse. He asked the teacher who is Sister Rose and the students like, do you have any idea who Rowan is? And hands around the picture and they're all like, no. And I only have to mention this because it was just really dumb. Like there's an empty desk in the back and he's like, whose desk at that? And they're just like, oh. and he goes to open it and there's a crow in it. It just flies out, which was just meant to be a really cheap jump scare that didn't get me at all. And I was like, there's a bird in there. Even the character like, didn't believe it was needed. Everybody in the classroom was like, well, you let the crow out. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Ed. God damn you let the crow out. That's where the crow lives. <laughs> a Pee Herman-esque like, the crow's out. Like, Bro, Nick Cage is the like the most shit-headed dude cop in this scene. He yeah. just walks in, and the teacher's like, excuse me. He's like, shut up, lady. All right. <laughs> Listen up, kids. I'm a cop. See this badge? Pretty badass, am I right? I usually wear a leather jacket. Anywho. <laughs> Do you want to hold my gun? <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, I realized, like, this is the exact situation that women leave they're the cities they live in and they go to distant islands to create communes like i get it now uh-huh. sorry ladies mm-hmm. <laughs> even this whole movie like every scene he went to every person he talked to like i'm a cop and answer my questions it's like okay well i'm not gonna answer your questions like well you should answer my questions and i'm where's this kid <laughs> like way over the top just shouting at people just doing whatever he wants like he trying to act like he belonged there and he took was trying to take charge like nobody was having any of it and it just felt very like awkward and it's like tense between people every time you try to talk to somebody yeah he's just playing bad cop bad cop yes bad cop cop, worst cop cop. (laughs) bad cop inept cop (laughs) uh all right so real quick to just get past this goddamn school house uh um so after this, he goes uh, and finds Willow, and once again, she gives him really uh, no information, and he's like, okay, and then they stand there and make out for a second, and then uh, <laughs> we, it's literally what happens, and then we cut to, and then he, I guess, borrows her bike and goes out for a, a, a lovely bike ride and sees all the different, like, beekeepers and all of the... Uh, you know, uh, bee houses, and he decides, I guess I'll go look at him, even though he already mentioned he's allergic to bees, so why the fuck would you get near him? And uh, he kind of, like, envisions, like, Rowan standing there being swarmed by the bees, but then he gets swarmed by the bees and passes out, and we get another dream about the car accident again. So after his little bee incident, he wakes up in the home of Sister Summer's Isle. Uh, He meets her, and... They have some very long, drawn-out dialogue that's essentially, you know, our festivals are to honor the great mother goddess that looks over their island and, you know, make sure they have good crops and that her ancestors were the ones that came to this island after first landing in Salem so they could have, you know, a safer place away from essentially, you know, like what America would become. So then we cut to Ed digging up the grave of his, you know, daughter, I guess. And when he opens the casket, he finds a burned doll. And it's a doll similar to the doll from the beginning of the movie. (gasps) 
So, and I kind of like kind of said this before, but just because I was hardly listening to it when it happened. But in one of the conversations he had with Willow, they had, I guess it's, was it like a crypt or something? Like whatever it is he goes down into at this point, I can't remember for the yeah, life of me. Family's crypt. She said it's been flooded for years or whatever. Uh, okay. It's, 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 that's where it's, the eels go. It's God. Oh, God. oh man. That's a throwback. Throwback. Um, so yeah, he goes. <laughs> so he goes down to Willow's uh, family crypt because he hears a girl crying, kind of like when he was back in the barn. And he goes down there and he finds a uh, Rowan sweater uh, through this grate in the water. And he's like, "Oh well, I gotta go in there and get her." So he takes off his coat, drops everything, like his gun and everything, and then. Uh, 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 he goes in there, he's swimming around looking for her, and then, of course, you, you hear the sound of the grate closing in uh, behind him. He goes back, he's screaming for help, and sure enough, like, no one comes, and he kind of, like, starts to pass out, and then he starts having visions of the car crash again, and now it seems more like more like Rowan is the one in the back seat of the car, and he's trying to get her out, but then she kind of disappears and it's just bees in the car. And then he wakes up again because Jesus Christ, these fucking dreams. So as he's uh, stuck in this water, still, you know, it's now morning. But sure enough, Willow's like, hey, maybe I'll, uh, I haven't seen Ed in a while. Maybe I'll go walk around my family's crypt and see if he's in there. So she finds him. She gets him out and he shows her uh, shows her Rowan's sweater but then also brings up the doll and he's just yelling, you know, why was I burnt? Why was I burnt? And she just says, I don't know. And he's like, all right, go back to the house, lock yourself in and, you know, just wait for me. It's, yeah. it's always the worst movies. I find that like the love interest just conveniently finds like the ensnared main character when they're in the most trouble. Like there's no reason it should have been her who found him. Right. Like how would she know that he was there? Yeah, exactly. So he goes to Sister Summer's Isle or Summer Isles and tries to find her in her house and all he finds is a man in a bed who I, I think was presumably dead and covered in bee stings and and just finds a, a naked woman sitting in a room covered in bees and smiling. She seemed to be enjoying those bees though. Yeah. Yes. And that that woman was the one who was like, Take me with you? Oh yeah, she was like the the, the, the waitress in like the uh, tavern. Yeah. That's Lily Sabowski, thank you. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. You don't remember Lily Sabowski back in the day? No. Maybe just me. But yeah, but it, it, it's just you. So anyway. <laughs> I just envisioned Mike like alphabetizing his VHS tapes by his favorite <laughs> actors and actresses. I mean, you don't do that with your VHS tapes? <laughs> okay. So I, I, I do have to talk about some things here because... So, so first off, like, I was like, are all these guys just gimps? Like, they're not, they don't seem <laughs> to be allowed to speak, right? They just kind of, like, do their tasks and they keep their head down. And, like, the, the women run the island. I get it. And I was like, all right, it's a bit demasculating. That's not exactly who I am. But you know what? There are some really hot ladies on this island. So I, I, I think I could get through it. Well, they basically said that the men on the island are second-class citizens that are used for breeding. Right. Right. So... And you know what? I could even go along at that point. I was like, you know what? Maybe this island wouldn't be so bad. 
But I mean, there's, there's worse ways to go through life. But when she, but when Nick Cage opens up that door and that guy is naked in bed, covered in bee stings, I was like, "All right, I was into it." But I draw the line if these chicks are watching me and getting off to me fucking a beehive. Like, count me out. I'm not doing it. Maybe that was his kink. Maybe he was just, like, really into being stung. And they were like, this is really fucked up and we're killing some of our bees. But you know what, Don? We just, we really love you, Don. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely cover you in some bee stings for so you. you th- so this was for Don, you think? I, they're they're I think just so generous. Don. Yeah, I, I think it <laughs> You know what? There's always a counter argument. So, you know, you might have something there. Maybe, maybe that's Don's kink, I guess. Going back to that like weird like second class citizen thing was the, the the whole dialogue of that which I th- I think happened or happens I don't remember this whole movie was a blur, but if it hasn't happened yet either way the 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 woman says like oh well you know we're just not going to be controlled by men and this is this is how we're going to be you know we're the rulers here and it it is like as we said earlier it was it, it's not good. F- feminism i i don't really know how to say that like it's it's a really weird like extreme side of it it's kind of like the um little dystopian yeah yeah and there's some of those like college i've seen some headlines granted that where the it was like uh students hold uh you know feminist thing by not allowing men to come in and i I thought the whole uh, it's just weird that's what this movie is it's (laughs) it's like let's be feminist but also no 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 men ever yeah it's like they were trying to it's really like they were just trying to get like viewers just based off of that idea but um, yeah the the original wasn't about a matriarchal society the original was about takes place on an island off of england and it's like a celtic society which is way more cool like way more interesting than like watching something in uh i mean they told us fifty thousand times that they're in washington so uh, an island off of Washington, like, right. mm-hmm. I, I think the concept of like a Celtic society is just like so much more interesting than watching some matriarchal society. And which yeah. they, they tried to touch on that a bit, yeah. like when Sister Summer is out, like mentioned it, like when her family like landed in Salem and then eventually went there, like she like briefly mentioned like, oh, you know, my Celtic ancestors, uh, Salem, here we are. Sure. <laughs> did, did, did you get it? I I, sum, I think I did a good job summarizing it. Yeah, you did. No, I mean, that made way more sense than that hour and 42 <laughs> minutes that I spent. Oh, but we're not done, but I'm trying to get us there. We're almost there. So uh, after he leaves uh, Summer's Isles, we start seeing, like, the women of the island are seen wearing these, uh, you know, different festive masks and they're preparing for the festival of uh, death and rebirth. And they're essentially kind of like going on a parade until I guess they get to the festival. And so once again, Rowan's just kind of running from house to house. Uh, you've seen her. You've seen the girl, the girl. Have you seen her? The girl. Is she here? No. All right. Next house. I think my favorite part of this whole thing was that uh, he came up on that guy. I think it was the guy, the lady. I don't remember. But uh, he stole their bike. He's like, take off the mask. And then he stole the bike. And then he like threw the mask at him. He's like, take your stupid mask. Oh, yeah, that was Sister Rose. He took her bike. Hey! Uh, my boy! <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. It was pretty funny. If I may, I would just like to briefly, briefly summarize what uh, Cage's cop, con- cop crime count is. 
<laughs> so at this <laughs> point, he's he's brandished a firearm in a threatening manner. Um, yes. The B and E's like fucking fifty of them. He just broke into every house on the island. Um, oh, B's and E. Uh-huh. Oh no. Um, <laughs> um, assaulting kids. He like just walked up to these kids, like, take off your mask, come here, and just started grabbing them, <laughs> and, like ferociously taking off their masks. Um, he stole the bike after threatening her with a firearm. Um, and we're about to see some pretty physical violence. Yeah, and and this whole thing is done outside of his jurisdiction. Also, Completely and, outside oh, yeah. of his jurisdiction. And and because they said outside of uh, Washington, it's definitely in Canada. He has crossed national borders. He is a national like he is a criminal of Canada. Holy <laughs> shit! I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So he makes his way back down to the harbor, and we see that the the seaplane's been sunk. And he finds the corpse of the pilot. And the first thing I thought of was, hmm, guess the hundred bucks wasn't worth it, huh? I liked, dude, uh, I, I really liked that aesthetically, like how the, how they killed him. Like they sewed his mouth shut. They sewed his eyes shut. Uh, I they cut off his hand. They cut off his hand and replaced it with a bunch of sticks. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Let's focus on this. Let's talk about this. This is fucked up, and no, that like oh, yeah. oh, oh it's over. Oh, it's gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, he makes his way back to the tavern where we see uh, Sister Beach is getting ready for the festival with her uh, bear costume, and he walks up and punches her the fuck out, and then has like a, a quick scuffle with the uh, waitress who uh, the actress's name I forget, which Mike will uh, now say uh, to remind me. That's uh, Lately Sabowski. Thank you. And uh, knocks her out. And then uh, he decides to don the bear costume and, uh, you know, sneak his way into the uh, parade as they uh, make their way towards the festival. So as the parade stops, and I guess we're now at the festival itself, we finally see Rowan, actually Rowan, not just a weird vision. Uh, She's tied to a pyre and clearly about to be burnt and sacrificed. And as uh, he kind of looks at Willow like, uh, what, what the fuck? He runs up in the bear costume to the woman standing by ready to light the pyre, punches her in the face, and then unties Rowan and they flee into the woods. So unequivocally, funniest scene of the movie. One of the funniest things I've Nick- ever seen. <laughs> yep. oh, absolutely. Nick Cage running up on you. <laughs> Full on bear fur costume. And just punching you in the face. Mm-hmm. I mean that yeah. I, that one scene alone made this movie worth a runtime watching. Agreed. And I'm gonna go back to the um to the parade and the the when he finds Willow in the parade and he's like, I thought I told you to stay back. She's like, but I couldn't miss the parade. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> It's a shitty parade. Where are the fire trucks? I, I mean, Nick Late Cage viciously assaulted like. Three women in the span of about two minutes of this movie. It went from absurd to more absurd. (laughs) It went from oddly feminist to Nick Cage just punching women in the face. And I'm sorry, it needs to be said, I could watch it all day. Like, they they just glance over all the best parts of the movie. I mean, even, like, before he hit that first woman, like, I, I said to myself, like, he looks like he's about to punch that woman in the face. And I'm, I'm thinking, there's, there's no way that's going to happen. 
It's like it's not all. It's very rare you see like male on female assault in a movie. So I was thinking in the back of my mind, there's no way this is gonna happen. This is just like a fever dream. If this would have happened, and then just full on left hook right in the face, <laughs> and it continues on multiple times for the next several. This minutes. is the one scene where we <laughs> thought it was a dream, and it wasn't a dream. <laughs> It's got to be another one of his visions. He's going to punch her in the face and the Mack truck's going to come out of nowhere and hit him. <laughs> nope. Uh, so anyway, we get back to uh, Ed's fo- like following Rowan through the woods. And, you know, first it seemed like he was just like trying to get her to safety. But eventually, like she's just kind of walking ahead of him. And he's, you know, yelling her like, wait, hold on, slow down, come back. And this is when we realize he... She has led him out of the woods and right back to the parade. And we hear her say, you know, mommy, did I do a good job? And this is where it all kind of comes to a head that the whole plan was to lure Ed there and have him be the sacrifice they need to have a better harvest. Whoa, big reveal. And like there, basically it, it comes to, you kind of find out that it's like, not just it, it was planned to have him come there and, you know, be sacrificed. Even Willow meeting him was all a plan. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of a stretch. Oh, it was a kind of a stretch. <laughs> I mean, it was the most convoluted and completely excessively complex plan that anyone's ever tried to lay into motion. Do you want to know why or how you can tell? Because they had to have all the characters explain it in succession of how they did it and why they did it. Seriously, like, <laughs> all 60 characters explain this one at a time. Like, we had girl number three come in and have a line. <laughs> we, had- we had terrifying blind nuns come in. <laughs> and I'm Ted the Farmer. I hold the pitchfork. And then we, we sent you a letter. And then you read it. <laughs> I will be followed up by Tony. <laughs> When you were seven years old, we made sure to train you on how to read. <laughs> like even the cop, that from the beginning with the blonde cop. Oh yeah, she, she was, was there. there, and even the the mother and child from the car crash, they were there. So it's like, so you had this woman Willow meet this guy who was a cop, whatever, ten years ago, and you had him fall in love, get engaged, and then she just dipped. Then years later, you write a letter to him telling him your daughter's missing for him to come investigate because he's a cop. But in order for him to not want to not be normally doing his police job, you have to have him be involved in a PTSD accident where now he's out of work. But then you have to like have an, another cop there who's going to kind of like encourage him to investigate. Also, also, you got to make sure he's not involved in another relationship where he'd be like, oh, you get this letter in the mail. But if he's involved in another relationship, his wife would be like, who's that from? He's like, oh, it's my ex-fiance who just disappeared on me. And she'd be like, yeah, fuck that bitch. Don't go help her find her daughter. But no. Like, step, it's like, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen in order for Nick Cage to investigate. And this is all on the off chance that you have a bad crop that you need to sacrifice him to fix. This Mike, this plan makes complete sense, so I don't get what your problem is. This, I don't even understand what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets captured. He's taken to like the large wooden structure that they've created known as the Wicker Man. And, and sadly, the meme that everyone knows of this movie 
was is actually apparently like a deleted scene or an extended cut, which made watching this so upsetting that I didn't even get the payoff that I wanted. Um, it's the classic scene of, you know, this weird like hat being put on Nicolas Cage and they kind of funnel bees into it and they sting the shit out of him, which it's weird that they cut it out because after like they've captured him and they take him to the, you know, the wicker man and they like take get him out of the bag like his face is all like stung and fucked up so you took out the scene of it happening but still show his face from it (laughs) i think it was a uh considered torture and i think they would have gotten a r rating as opposed to pg-13 oh yeah that's fair yeah he straight up gets hobbled yeah because you that's the other thing like and they still have the audio of him being hobbled as they're just carrying him because you just hear, oh, my legs. And I'm like, they're just carrying him. Like, did one of them pinch him? They they left the audio of the best parts of the movie. Uh, I, I don't know, like, what the penalty is for R over PG-13. I don't know if you have to pay more money for that. But, oh, my God. Like, the that. If you if you decide to watch this movie, watch the deleted scene and tell me it's not the best part of the entire fucking film. I mean, they already used their one F word for a PG-13 movie. Right. So they, they got that far. And I think if they, I guess that coupled with pot and having the essential torture probably would have pushed them into the R. So Zed's been put inside the Wicker Man. He's, you know, screaming for help. And, and just to add insult to injury, it's Rowan who runs up and lights the Wicker Man on fire. As everyone chants, the drone must die. Ed cries out in pain, and he burns to death. So we cut to six months later, where we see two guys at a bar who, by the way, they happen to be, you know, police cadets, fresh out of the police academy. And, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess off screen, they kind of see these two women in another room. It's like, oh, let's go talk to them. And sure enough, it's Willow and Mike, actress's name again, please. Thank you, Mike. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) So clearly they're there to, you know, make a, f- a f- future long convoluted plan to eventually get these guys to come to the island to have more sacrifices for future possible bad harvests. And she even kind of repeats a line, which I glanced over before because it was just odd. But at this point, it does make sense. She had said to Nicholas Cage earlier, like, if you leave, can you take me with you? And as she's talking to this one cop who is James Franco as where he's going after this. He's like, Oh, I'm going to go home. And she's like, Oh, can you take me with you? And then we just kind of get like weird background, like sound of bees and then credits. And that's the fucking wicker man. What a disaster. Yep. Kyle, please take us into the other categories. I'm done. All right. Um, let's go ahead and go into uh, cinematics and special effects. I mean, I'll give it the the movie was, you know, shot like decent. Yeah. Like I had no problem with like the cinematography of it. And there wasn't like a whole lot of like, like practical. I mean, besides like, you know, the bee stings on, you know, his forearm and the guy who clearly loved having sex with beehives and him covered Mm -hmm. in that. Like those effects were fine. Like they weren't like, oh, it's great. I think the, the best effects were what they did to the, uh, the plane pilot and like had so does yeah. I shut and replaced his hands with little sticks for the quarter of a second. He was on the screen. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. All the lighting was fine. It was all mostly filmed outside. So I don't know how you could fuck that up. So good for them. 
if I had to mention one thing that bothered me, it would be that there were like some hokey scenes that tended to to be around like his dream sequences, like the uh, the pan out from when he uh, was under the water finding Rowan, and then mm-hmm. he comes back and they pan out and he's holding Rowan, and it's like ah, it, I don't know, it it seemed clunky. Other than that, like that, nothing really, nothing stuck out. Those are the only things that I thought were a little hokey. Yeah, the the only I guess I'll I'll, I'll talk know, toss in some uh, set design. Uh, I did like the Wicker Man, like whatever they did for that. If that was, I don't know if that was uh, practical or just CGI, but it it held up either way. I actually liked the Wicker Man, the nice big old uh, burnable stick pile that they made, um, and with the goats strewn in and around it and and whatnot. It that was actually legit pagan, which was cool. Um, I I can't say that anything else in this was. Uh, remarkable by any other means it was very it was very much just big budget movie let's make a remake and like that's that's what it was like i i don't know we we saw like we all grew up around this time being like younger and like our late teens and um like there were just a bunch of remakes that were coming out back to back to back. And like, I just feel like this falls in with all those crappy remakes where it's just like, there's nothing impressive that's done with it in terms of like um, set design and effects. And I'll I'll even throw sound in there. I know we're going to go into that next, but there's just nothing impressive with this. It's just big budget movie going to try to make some more money from the studio. Uh, Yeah. All right. So we said it. So, sound design and, and music uh it was again just generic big budget they had money to blow it there was nothing it was fine it the music i guess kind of fit for this like out in the middle of nowhere island or whatever and like the the, the sound effects obviously there's b noise that's a just a lot of buzzing to kind of like get you in there um but th- there wasn't there was nothing special nothing crazy um nothing really pulled me out or pulled me in so nice uh okay is what i give it (laughs) i I will say that they tried the movie tried to hinge like all of its suspense around like i don't know just misdirect not even misdirection just like the sense of not knowing what's going on but really from a sound perspective like that was just like nick cage roaming through like a creaky barn to the sound of like and and, like Mm -hmm. if you take out the music like a lot of this movie was indistinguishable from like a national treasure because it was the only thing that told you it was it was supposed to supposed to be suspenseful, but it, it barely yep. did that. I was gonna say there are people who delete the the sound, uh, sorry, the music from movies, and I think this I want to hear that now. I want to rewatch this movie with no music and just see how awkward it is because I would imagine it's terribly awkward. Also, how could you mistake this movie for National Treasure? <laughs> I'm just, I... It's it's Nick Cage roaming around looking for clues to things. Yeah, uh, for his kind of daughter, which is like a national treasure, if you think about it. It's Nick Cage just nope. making a beeline for every new scene. <laughs> it was. Uh, oh, I, I just, I just didn't get what all the buzz was about. Okay, guys, so don't, don't be too rough on this film. Okay. <laughs> Can we be done? Ah, uh, man, that one stings. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we can we can go ahead and get this thing over with, oh, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have a you have a uh, do you have a spook bee meter this week? I do have a spook bee meter. Um, 
So continuing <laughs> continuing with our stories of Nick Cage for our spoopy meter for this month. Um, did you guys know that Nicolas Cage once tripped on shrooms with his cat named Lewis? Um, <laughs> he said... I would watch an hour and 40 minutes of that. <laughs> 100% over this movie. He said in an interview that... Um, his cat got into his shrooms that he had lying around and um, he remembers that he was lying in bed and Lewis, his cat was on the desk that was right across from him. And as he was lying on the bed and the cat was lying on the desk, he says that he remembers that they were staring at each other and Cage's only thought was, I had no doubt that he is my brother. So, you know, cats, they got nine lives. So zero to nine. How many how many lives would you rewatch this? How many of your lives would you spend rewatching this? Uh I I wouldn't. I I'm I know I've seen pieces of this movie and maybe because I forgot it and rightfully so, I guess. Uh I I was ha- I wouldn't say I was happy to rewatch this. Everybody else was like, "Meh." I I would agree with that statement. It it's a very meh movie. It's not even of its time. It just it just is uh it i don't know it's not it's not great i would spooky spoopy nothing it gets a a big old uh no lives and then uh, overall just because it was not literally just a camera shoved at the ground the whole time i'll give it like two lives maybe Uh, two of my lives maybe would be where i'm at because i otherwise I, i don't know i got nothing out of this it was just nicholas cage which is the, the, the only reason why we watch this. Um, and he's just yelling at people, which is hilarious. And then he punches a bunch of women in a bear costume and it's fucking, it rocks. Like that's the only part that rocks. Everything else, nothing. I'm also really not going to give it uh, a high live count for spoopiness. Um, especially since like the first real, like, well, I guess it's probably like more like the second jump scare they try to do when he's on the boat and has the vision of the girl getting hit by the truck. I didn't jump. I laughed. I laughed harder than I probably should have. Um, and uh, and like, yeah, nothing else really kind of scared me. Not even like the, their attempt to like jump scare with the crow coming out of the desk. I was like, oh, there's a bird in the desk. Anyway, back to Reddit. Um, just yeah, nothing kind of creeped me out. So I'm going to give I'm going to spend zero lives for spoopiness. Um, I'll. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. Like it, it was shot decently well, and like you said before, uh, you know, it was mainly shot in daylight. So how can you fuck that up? But since the writers really fucked up the story, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, yeah, really, the only good parts were Nick Cage freaking out, shouting, and shaking people, finding out where this child is, and dresses a bear and punching women in the face. And I hate that. The my favorite thing about this movie is Nicolas Cage assaulting women while wearing a bear costume. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'm gonna I'll, I'll give it you know one life spent out of my nine, and I am going to save the rest doing literally anything else besides watching this movie. I will not be very different from your assessment, Chris. Uh, you're right. The most interesting things about this movie was the fact that Nicolas Cage, who plays a cop, is running around doing a lot of illegal acts, committing a lot of crimes, and that's fun. Yes. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Shit was funny. 
Um, but yeah, no, like this movie really kind of screamed like it. A, it could have been like a thirty-minute subplot to a bigger movie. You know, maybe if it was set in Ireland or something with like a Celtic, with a, a Celtic festival. I don't know. I, I I hear a lot that the original gets a, a great deal of praise and that this remake was pretty heavily rewritten. I don't know for certain. I have not seen the original. Um, but y- yeah, it, the, there's, there's really nothing scary about it. I've already kind of given my position on how it tries to build suspense. And, you know, even if the, the sound effects and music, uh, it does its part, the story doesn't provide any sort of suspense. So there's, <laughs> He's searching for answers. No one gives him anything, and he's just fine with it. Um, and it, which is confusing. It's a confusing uh, position as an audience to kind of accept that and internalize that. Like, all right, well, what do we do now? Uh, that so anyway, um, a lack of direction, absolutely a lack of direction, uh, culminating in an incredibly convoluted plot uh, that didn't make any sense. Uh, it, I mean, it does, but it seems so taxing. I mean. I I truly wonder if Tinder has like helped their their uh uh like process with recruiting men to breed with. Like it seems pretty simple. Like just stop killing the the small airplane businessmen that provide you all of your outsiders and your supplies. And I mean they they had plenty of Tinder at the uh, Wicker Band. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. This is worse than the bee puns. Good one. That was a good one. (laughs) Continue. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah. So, in the in the interest of not rambling, um, zero for scary. It's not scary. Not at all. Um. And then if I'm going, you know, zero to nine, uh, I'll give it one overall. In that, you know, it's an interesting film. The unfortunate part is that the best parts of the film are taken out. So uh, I would probably give it closer to a three or a four just with the one scene that they took out. Um, but alas, that didn't happen. That scene was captivating and fucked up, and I really liked it. And it added a little bit to the story, um, the fact that they were, like, torturing this man. Uh, but, yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, gravely disappointing. Uh, I am... I, I would be happy not to watch it ever again. I will give it a one out of nine. So I'm not going to like rehash too much what everyone else has said and what I've said already. Uh, spoopy wise, zero. This wasn't a scary movie in any sense to me, at least. Uh, like as an overall movie, if I had to give it a rating out of nine cat lives, I give it a one and a half or two. It's basically an hour and 40 minutes of a cop, Nick Cage, running around an island full of women, just yelling at him. I mean, it just it's not a good movie. Uh, the best part of this movie was in the last 15, 20 minutes. And that was because of, like, ironically funny. It wasn't trying to be funny, but it was probably the, the, one of the funniest things I've seen in a very long time. And uh, what other movie can you say has Nick Cage in a full-on fur bear suit punching people in the face? So just for that alone, it gives it two out of nine as an overall movie. Just don't watch it. Don't go out of your way to see it. 
And like Jarvis said, they did cut out the uh, not the bees, which is in in the extended cut. So just go check that out, and that's it. Like Mike and everyone else said, I'm not really going to rehash everything. Zero out of nine. It's not spoopy. Um, and in terms of overall movie, yeah, it's it's not good. The direction was off. Uh, characters felt off. The acting felt off. Um, it, it's, it's just not good. The screenplay is not good. It's just, it's, and the concept is so interesting. So it's very disappointing to say that. Um, but if you're going into it to laugh at a movie and to go enjoy yourself, yeah, I, I think you would have a good time watching this movie. Um, I think if I was sitting with friends watching this, then I would have had a good time. Tiff and I watched this and we we laughed at it until she fell asleep and then I laughed by myself, which was way more sad. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, if, if I can think of one line that can continuously happened throughout this entire movie to sum up sum this up for me it's um i don't know what's going on so i'm gonna give this a one out of nine and say i still have no idea what's going on in this movie and that's fair i i I still can't get over how much money this is a ridiculous film but uh i will go ahead if nobody's got anything else uh, I will go ahead and just thank our uh, people who helped out with this. So I want to thank Connor McLeod and Andrew Cavanaugh. Uh, they do our artwork and our music respectively. And I want to thank you. Uh, we have Facebook group. Come join us on Facebook. Uh, we've got everything else. Uh, you know, we got a Twitter. We got an Instagram. We got a Gmail. Just, just come say hi to us. Tell us what you want to watch. Tell us what you hate. Tell us what you like. Tell us how horrible we are. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, be us out of here? Ah, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> That's how we leave. This is how we leave them. I tell, I'm going to tell everyone to buzz off. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. Thank <laughs> you.